0: on our Bible study. Let's take a look here at Revelation chapter 12. We always do a little previously though. So if you missed the last lesson, we were in chapters 10 and 11 and in chapter 10 and 11, we saw a theme of really preparing, really preparing for the coming kingdom. And John saw some visions and they reminded us that the kingdom is the kingdom of Christ. If you remember, uh, John was given a reed, and with that reed, he was sent to measure the temple. And so he's measuring the temple, and so that was really the theme. So we've been looking at the seal judgments and the trumpet judgments, but when we come to these chapters in the middle of the book of Revelation, they're kind of like a big parenthesis. In other words, we have this chronological sequence of events that are unfolding in these last days, and in the middle here, in these chapters that we've been looking at last week, this week, and next week, it's looking at it from a different view. It's looking at it more as, a, um, as how the saga eternally has unfolded. So tonight, we look at the great characters of Revelation. So it's not showing the continuity of events as they happen on the earth. But it's pointing out to us that uh, some significant characters, and you'll see that as we as we get into it. You're Take some notes and everything. I'm I'm impressed. There, awesome. So um, let's uh. But I picked on Deborah last week a little bit afterwards. So I said enough. We're good. All right, cool. But Karina had a question about the the book of Revelation that she asked on Sunday and then reminded me tonight. And do you remember a couple of weeks ago we talked about the fact that. You know, all of these events in Revelation are um, focusing on the nation of Israel primarily. We see the rapture of the church, and then we see God's attention drawn back to the nation of Israel. We link that to Daniel, because Daniel prophesied, and Daniel, we saw way early in our study, the 70 weeks are determined upon my people Israel and upon the holy city. The focus was on Jerusalem, but then you had this this big thing that happened in between and that's the church age and that's the, the new Testament church as we know it. So one of the things we pointed out a couple weeks ago is that the nation of Israel right now, would you define it as a spiritual nation or as a primarily secular nation today? Exactly. It's a very secular nation. And so that was brought up. So we were chatting about it. She said, boy, I'd never really had considered that. So when the Lord returns, if he returns now, he's returning to a secular Israel. Now, that's kind of, it's an interesting thing as you think about it, because with the coming of the Lord and the, the, the day of the Lord as it comes, it's not only, Jesus is not just coming to judge the world, but he's coming for the final, last gathering of, the, of, of Israel. Part of the purpose of the Great Tribulation period is, yes, to judge the world, but also equally important is the evangelizing of the Jews. So that's why what we saw in the previous weeks was the 144,000 witnesses. We saw the two witnesses last week in Jerusalem. And so there will be a final revival among the Jewish people. So the, the people of Israel will go from being a very secular nation to being a very spiritual people once again. It's just an interesting thing to consider. Does that kind of sum up the what we're talking about? Yeah. And in fact, some of these things cannot happen until the temple is rebuilt. So the temple has to still be rebuilt. Now, the temple could be rebuilt before these events take place, or it could be built during the time of these events. If you remember, Daniel and Revelation tell us that the Antichrist is going to confirm the covenant for many, so there's going to be uh, there's going to be a peace treaty that's entered into. Perhaps that could allow for the construction of the temple in Jerusalem. Um, so all these things are, are yet to happen. There were some somebody else had thoughts, or yes. Sure. So i if you don't
1: would assume that the re-establishment of Israel as a nation was the fulfillment of that prophecy. But because Israel has only been re as a nation
0: secular, right. they have not been re as the nation's here. Sure. So if you're familiar with Ezekiel's prophecy of the dry bones, it's Ezekiel goes into the valley, it the bones are symbolic of Israel and the the bones were very dry and Very dead. And he says, prophesy upon these bones. Can these bones live? And he prophesies and life comes in. And so it's a prophecy that uh, to an exiled nation, Ezekiel's writing that from exile, that Israel would be restored. Well, we've seen glimpses of that along the way. They were, they, Cyrus sent them back to rebuild Jerusalem. And now in, um, in our, uh, in our modern era, the nation has once again been reestablished. But you're right, there is no spiritual life that's been breathed in nationally to the nation of Israel yet. But that will be, that's the, again, Daniel's 70th week. And this is a key to understanding these prophecies, is that they are given to the Jewish people. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. Right, because as things are right now at this moment, they're not allowed to build a temple there. Exactly. So, um, yeah, so all these things we discussed a little bit last week as well. But now, let's, so any other quick thoughts on that before we move on to today's material? Alright. Very good. So, look it up, pick it up in chapter 12 now. And let's look. There are seven major movements in chapters 12 and 13. I think we'll be able to cover all of it. If not, I won't, I won't go long. I'll just stop. If we run out of time, we'll pick it up where we, wherever we get to tonight. So, in chapter 12, and there appeared a great wonder in heaven. Now that word wonder is the Greek word that appears all throughout here as a sign. There's a sign in heaven. And there appeared a great sign in heaven, a wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet. So the first character here is the woman who is clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet, and upon her head, a crown of 12 stars. Now what you're going to see very quickly, and I'll just uh, I'll just spoil it right now that this woman is Israel. I believe that this is the nation of Israel. In the book of Genesis, do you remember somebody had a dream about the the moon and the stars and all of that? Do you remember who had that dream? Go ahead. That's right, it's Joseph. And it was Joseph's father was Israel. It's Jacob, and and he was the the, the one son and the and the the 12 suns came as the stars, the sun and the moon all bowed down. So there's some, some similar symbolism uh, there. But now look at what happened. So there appeared a great wonder in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth and pained to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. Heads, plural, sorry. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. This is, I, I find this passage to be just... Um, amazing. Let's just put it that way. All of the fantasy literature that's been written over the years, Lord of the Rings, all that kind of stuff, pales in comparison to this cosmic scene. And What you're seeing here is the eternal struggle between God and the devil and how it involves us and our place and Israel's place in the saga. So it says here, um, what verse did I leave off on? Four? So pick it up in verse five. She brought forth a what, a man child, who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to His throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she hath prepared a place hath a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days. All right, what's going on here? Anybody? What is going on in this uh, in this passage of scripture? When you read it, you've got to kind of put the whole story of the Bible. The whole story of the Bible is summarized and it's allegorized in these first six verses. So, what's going on? Anybody want to take a stab at it here? You chuckling back there? I'll give it. This this is the guy that's been reading the Book of Revelation for the last forty years backwards. So. All right, so go ahead. True. Yeah. Well, you're you're stabbing away, so he's gonna take my spot. Yeah. All right, you're good there. <laughs> Absolutely right, and it's an amazing story. So remember, the woman the woman is with child. That's been the theme. That was the promise from the very beginning. Where, where this battle between the dragon, God, the dragon, the woman? Where do we where do we see that first? Genesis chapter three, and verse fifteen. That the serpent would that the the seed of the woman and the, uh, versus the serpent that the the seed of the woman would defeat would crush the head of the serpent, but the serpent would bite the heel of the seed of the woman, not the, and then also the idea that there has to be a, it has to be a man. The, it's the God man. Jesus is the God man. So this is, this is speaking of this. Now, Israel, I think it's specifically it's Israel because the whole purpose of Israel as the chosen people of God, people forget this often. Why? What was the purpose in Israel being the chosen people of God? To bring the Messiah to bring salvation, to be the light for all of the world. So God chose a people to bring his son into the world to bring salvation. But the devil knew this. And so what happens is as the woman again it's all this is figurative, this is allegorical. It's making us think of different Bible passages, as the woman is about to be is about to deliver so Israel, but also Mary obviously, we we see some some thoughts there, but when she's ready to be delivered, the dragon is waiting there to devour the child. Did we see that happen? When? Yeah. Absolutely. The, uh, up until the age of two, all the children in Bethlehem. So I think that would be an exact, I mean, the de- its not. This isn't Herod trying to destroy this child. This is the dragon. This is the devil moving through Herod to say we have to stop this. I mean, it's amazing to think that the devil believes. And when we were when we were studying angels and demons in Sunday school a few weeks ago, the devil believes that he, that he believed that he could stop this. Don't have, he's not omniscient, but he thought you know what? It's same at the crucifixion. At the crucifixion. But also at the birth of Jesus, he knows why Jesus has come. But he tried at the temptation of Jesus. All of this effort that the devil has focused with intensity to try to prevent the work of Christ from being done. But she brings him forth nonetheless in verse 5. And which Now this is interesting, verse 5, and Mr. Thompson mentioned this. It says, she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. That was his intended purpose. Has that happened yet? Not yet. It's still yet to come. So it's future. It's future. He was to rule all nations with a rod of iron and her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. So Jesus comes, he's caught up to the presence of God. In the meantime, what happens? In the meantime, the woman, who is the woman? It's not Mary. No, nope. it's in the, what's that? It's Israel. So Mary was, the, was the, the literal example of this, but figuratively in this passage, the woman is going to be Israel. And so she has to flee. She has to run for 1,203 score days. We've, we've seen that number before. What is that period of time? You look like you're about to answer. How many years is that? It's the three and a half years. She's going to go hide. Now, again, we don't have the church in here because the attention is that this isn't about the church. Who is this all about? It's about Israel. So, the devil tries to stop the coming of the Messiah. He can't do it. The Messiah is resurrected, ascends into heaven. Now, Jesus prophesied that there would be a day... And we studied this in previous weeks, Matthew chapter 24, the Olivet Discourse. Jesus said there'll be a day when you see this person revealed that if you're in Judea, you need to flee into the mountains. You need to run. That's what this is talking about. We're putting all of this. That's why I love Revelation 12, because it's taking so many scriptures and it's putting it in story and allegory form for us to see. Okay. Let's pick it up now. Any questions on what we've covered in those first six verses before I move on? Okay, let's move on. Next movement in the story. And there was war in heaven. Michael, we've seen him in the book of Daniel. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought in his angels and prevailed not neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Now the great mystery here. And the big question is, when did this take place? When did this take place? But what, well, for one thing, what's just happened? I mean, I think this is pretty self-evident here, but what just happened in these verses? This is referring to what taking place? So rebellion of Satan, he's cast out of heaven. But when did this take place? Huh? At the birth of Christ? I don't know when this took place. Some people believe, think that this took place, that this was taking place um, way at the beginning, like when Satan fell in his original re- rebellion. I will, I will. The problem is, do we see Satan in heaven after the book of Genesis? We do. So we have every reason to believe that even up until possibly, he is the great accuser of the brethren. He's known as the accuser of the brethren. That's what he did with Job as well. So we have every reason to believe that even now Satan and his angels have access to the throne of God. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, Paroled is actually an interesting way to look at it because they have a sentence and their sentence will be fulfilled. But they have free reign now. But something has happened... I believe, I would, I, and again, I can't give you data on this just as I think of how this is being presented. I think that this fall from heaven is happening around the time of the rapture of the church. Now, again, I can't tell you that conclusively, but, but my best guess at it would be this is all taking place because the day of the Lord is coming. Satan's access has now been removed he's cast down to the earth and then what do we see happening on earth literally all hell breaks loose on earth we see demons released from the depths of the earth it's almost as if what how I see this happening is is the Lord saying alright you're out of here you're gone and a third of the stars of heaven that would the stars of heaven would be a reference to angelic beings but these are fallen angelic beings they're all being they're all being brought down now, can I say that for sure that's when this will take place? I'm not sure. But I do not think it, it would be very difficult to say that this took place way back in the book of Genesis. I don't see that scripture lining up with that. Um, either way, at some point, Satan is going to be cast to the earth. This will be his his dominion. He will not be allowed into the presence of God, the angels that were with him. And then in verse 10... Oh, here's another reason I think that this is a this happens shortly after the rapture, because verse number 10, as soon as this happens, it seems as if people witness this. As soon as Satan is cast down, I heard a great or I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God. It's like, finally, the kingdom is going to come. The kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. But woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. There's a great celebration in the heaven, in the sphere of heaven, but great sorrow in the sphere of earth because now all of the fury of of Lucifer has been unleashed on the earth and God's judgment will come to the earth as well. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea for the devil has come down unto you having great wrath because he knoweth that he hath but... A short time. Hmm. Any questions or comments on that section before I move on to the next? Yes, ma'am. Because, um, I want to like, understand when you
1: say that, which is why I suggest, you know, what's I what's happening? I wasn't thinking
0: in terms of the world, but, means, access. And, Sure. I don't think there's a reference in Genesis. I'd have to double check, but I don't. I don't think there's a reference in Genesis to the to the devil being cast out of heaven. We see him on the earth. Sure. A lot of the
1: details down the road scripture stuff. the
0: Well, you're, that's a good point. When you read in Genesis chapter 1 through 3, you get you 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 arrive with the garden of Eden and the evil the subtle serpent, but there's no explanation of how the serpent got there. That's what you're saying, right? There's no explanation of how I got there. You start to read in Isaiah, you start to read in Revelation, and then people start to piece together, well, this must have happened at this point, at this point, at this point. So we've. So sometimes what will happen is you'll hear somebody teaching on the book of Genesis, and they'll make a reference to something that's in a later book, but we, our minds sometimes, think that that's what it said in Genesis. But it didn't actually say that. We have to harmonize the different accounts. So well, I mean, the, we know that the that rebellion is taking place. But this idea, but again, if he's already been cast out of heaven, then how is he the accuser of the brethren? Right? No, go ahead, Kathy. Because exactly, but. It, Go ahead, we want Kathy to finish. Yeah, you're good. the Yep. Also, I but when he was on the earth, Right, right, so the serpent was walking, right, there's some, yeah, there's some question about the serpent versus the, the devil, was the serpent, um, was this simply a serpent that was controlled by the devil, so yeah, that's a whole nother, a whole nother question, but yeah i i think so let's get back to no 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 no. you're keeping us awake you're keeping us all awake on this uh on this wednesday night so back to the original question which is what is taking place here in the book of revelation i think what you're seeing is satan's however we want to define it his access to heaven is completely eliminated he will never be allowed in the presence of god again He has been cast down, and all of heaven says, finally, hallelujah, and the earth, woe to the inhabitants of the earth. But today, he still exists, he still has access to heaven as the accuser of the brethren. There's a great poem by, uh, I think it's called The Accuser, or My Advocate, look it up, write it down, it's by Martha Snell Nicholson, Um, My Advocate, go ahead, I'm going to look that up, but go ahead, what were you going to say, Mike? Hmm. We do not know. I mean, there's some questions that I don't think I just I don't think we can understand. I mean, why the whys of all of this are why does God choose these methods to do it this way? All that we know is that his his he has two goals, and that is the redemption of a people and the magnification of his glory. So everything that God is doing is to redeem a people to resound to his glory. So we need to remember that that's a twofold objective. And so everything he's doing is for those for those purposes. Some people will just focus on you know everything he does is for his glory, which is true. But you kind of miss the point that throughout all of. Human history, his point has been to call a people to himself. Glory. Call a people to himself that will resound to his glory. Go ahead. So, if we look at the cosmic portrait, we
1: see the Son of God, of Peter, yeah. the throne room God, the
0: Savior Peter. He's future. Right. But God.
1: Hmm. Sure. So to Well, So
0: there's a But there's a there's another witness, which is first John two. If any man sin, we have an advocate. We have an advocate. We have Jesus Christ the righteous, the perfect advocate, the perfect one to plead our case. That's actually in this context that's what uh, Martha Snell Nicholson wrote about speaking about this accusation and what we're reading. This is what she the words she penned. They used to have it memorized, but no longer. Martha Snell Nicholson, I sinned, and straightway, post-haste, Satan flew before the presence of the Most High God and made a railing accusation there. He said, this soul, this thing of clay and sod has sinned, tis true that he has named thy name, but I demand death, for thou hast said, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Shall not thy sentence be fulfilled? Is justice dead? Send now this wretched sinner to his doom. What other thing can a righteous ruler do? And thus he did accuse me, day and night. And every word he spoke, O oh God, was true. Then quickly one rose up from God's right hand, before whose glory angels veiled their eyes. He spoke. Each jot and tittle of the law must be fulfilled. The guilty sinner dies. But wait. Suppose his guilt were all transferred to me and that I paid his penalty. Behold, my hands, my side, my feet. One day I was made sin for him and died that he might be presented faultless at thy throne. And Satan fled away. Full well he knew that he could not prevail against such love, for every word my dear Lord spoke was true. My Advocate by Martha Snell Nicholson. I always loved that. Just a powerful poetry. But there's a day when he will not even be allowed to accuse anymore, and all the earth rejoices. Verse 13, let's pick it up there. Yeah, go ahead.
1: We forget about the fact that we're humans. Hmm. We don't forget about that fact. But there are angelic beings who are still learning about the magic wisdom of God. And these beings um, have seen the portion of their objects. The fact. Right.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And then the other possibility that, yeah, we are not the only created beings. There are angelic beings who are also created to worship and serve God. And is it possible that as the angels observe what God is doing with us, that it is inducing greater worship from them to God? That's an interesting thought right there. So, all right, let's go to verse 13. Obviously, we're not going to do chapter 13 tonight, so let's finish up with this last section of chapter chapter 12 oh i'm sorry yes yeah Screw tape letters by C. S. Lewis. Yeah. Right. That's a that's an excellent point. That all of this does give us a glimpse into the enemy that we would put on the whole armor of God. Resist the wiles of the devil. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they, they clearly have a free will because they were allowed to rebel. It seems though they don't have the opportunity for redemption. That is the difference. That we We've rebelled and have been graciously given the offer of redemption, whereas the angels have not been given that offer of redemption. Okay. Let's go to verse number 13. And when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman. So... He knows he's lost. His time is short. So he comes down to the earth and his full... Again, this is why I believe this happens around the point of the tribulation, because his full attention is now turned to whom? Israel. And he is on a mission to destroy Israel. He's going to empower the Antichrist. The Antichrist is that the three and a half... Remember, the midpoint of the tribulation, what happens? All this wonderful worship is going on in the temple, but at the midpoint... Antichrist says, nope, it's going to be a little different now. Now you're going to worship me. And he's going to uh, uh, desecrate the holy place. That's what Jesus warned about in Matthew chapter 24. So here you have the devil focusing all of his energy on the people of Israel. And it says that um, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man child. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place, where she is nourished for a, ready, a time and times and half a time what do we got again there we've seen this expressed as a week we've seen this expressed as a number of days We see this as yes a time is one times is two that's three and a half a time three and a half so it's symbolic every time but it's always the same numeric quantity so for three and a half years Israel will be miraculously protected so imagine this you've got a great you've got the preaching of 144 thousand witnesses you've got the two you've got the two witnesses you've got this great company of believers the Antichrist does what he does people read the warnings of Matthew chapter 24 when you see this happen flee to the mountains that's why I remember when you if some people have asked about you know a hard hard to understand what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 24 it's because he's talking to these people he's not primarily talking to us in that passage we, we just we just think it's always, always about us, right? But I think the Olivet discourse is about these people right here who are given these, whatever that means, the wings of the eagles. I think it's that symbolically that God carries them and protects them. He brings them into this, this, this place where they will be safe. But the serpent, verse 15, cast out of his mouth water as a, as a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. What is that a reference to? Don't think we can know. I think that's something that'll be self evident when it happens that oh, this is this is how it happened. Yes, sir? Oh, okay. What's the Exodus? Yeah, I think I have a note there in my Bible. Exodus 19, verse 4. Does that sound right to you? Yeah, so this whole idea of God protecting His people. Um, All right. And verse 17, And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which kept the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. I think... The remnant may be a reference to some who didn't escape. They didn't make it out into the protective place. That there would still be some left in Jerusalem, left in the world. And the Antichrist mission right now up until the end is to hunt down and seek out every single last one of them and destroy them. But as a, as a national identity, they will be protected until the return of Christ. So the rapture's taken place. The, the Antichrist and the, de- the devil are pouring all of their fury on Israel. The, the bulk of their faithful nation is going to be protected up until the very end. At which point, the Lord will come. So I'm kind of giving you the, the rest of the story now. At which point, the Lord descends from heaven at the Battle of Armageddon, defeats the, the armies. We'll see that actually in chapter 13 next week. In chapter 14, maybe, I can't remember which one. He'll, he'll come down, defeat the armies, and set up his kingdom on earth. And guess what? These believing Jews that have been hiding out, they don't die and go to heaven. They literally just walk out of their safety, and they enter into this new kingdom in Jerusalem. And they are the believers left over, And they rule, and then we come, and we rule and reign, and there's this wonderful kingdom on earth for a thousand years. After the thousand years, the devil gets one last rebellion. He'll still steal some people away then, and then God says, all right, one more time, new heaven and a new earth It's done forever. That's the book of Revelation, the (laughs) the cliff notes right there. But so you're seeing, so again, you see what's happened as we studied the book, we saw chrono- chronology, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. And then we've almost stopped right in the middle, and we've taken a more symbolic view of the whole grand story. We'll get that completed in the next couple of weeks, and then it'll pick back up into the series of chronological events. Make sense? All right. Very good. This has, been, uh, this has been a good a good conversation tonight. Thank you so much for being a part of it. All right, let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll prepare to do our prayer time and our prayer list. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the, the fullness of the scripture and, and all that you explained to us, Lord. We thank, we're just thankful that you've made your, your plan known to us. Help us to be a faithful remnant today. I pray that you'd use us to uh, just to reach people, to To see souls saved, Lord, I pray that uh, we would understand that our time is short, that we're called to do your work while it is still day. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, or if you have placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you saw questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please let us know, and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at com or send us a message on Facebook. You could also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you, in our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.